on my way to church Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, it's funny, you know, as I'm usually Saturday nights and Sunday mornings are hugely uh, important for just kind of wrapping up sermon and getting last thoughts together. Uh, it's really, as a, as a teacher, it's an exciting time because it's uh, oftentimes on these Sunday mornings, just really a few hours before service that um, there's some really just neat things that kind of coalesce in, in, in my heart and mind. I think the Lord just kind of helps bring me to certain points and conclusions that, you know, I'm praying will be, you know, comforting, instructive, encouraging, you know, those kinds of things as, as we share them on Sundays and, and during the service. But uh, invariably, I find that uh, as that's happening, there's also a great, uh, it's also a great time of just personal devotion as well. And and uh, among the many things I was thinking about with our teaching this morning, we're going to be starting John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, uh, which is both a, a wonderfully instructive prayer, but it's also a really great insight into the relationship of the Son with the Father. Uh, it's a great insight into the heart of the one who ever lives to give intercession uh, to, uh, you know, to intercede for us. And and uh, just in thinking on some of those things and just in the course of kind of praying and thinking through things, I was coming across uh, Psalm 30. It's just some of the sentiments that David shares in Psalm 31, speaking about how the Lord is his refuge and how he trusts in him and how his times are in the Lord's hands. And, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it gives cause to ponder and to think about that. You know, when David wrote word, those words, he was going through uh, tremendous trial. You know, there were times in his life when he, uh, even right after the Lord had chosen him to become the king of Israel, to supplant Saul eventually, uh, and Saul began to seek David's life. There were times when David would have to run and flee and hide in places like En Gedi and different places that uh, would provide him shelter from Saul's uh, pursuits in that. Later on, after David's fall, and, uh, and the subsequent consequences of that when his own son Absalom was chasing after him. Uh, he had to run and hide in this. And so David, when he speaks about, you know, they, they were seeking his life. It wasn't just, you know, they were speaking badly about him or they were just attacking his character. I mean, he literally was in peril of, of dying uh, at the hands of those who wanted to destroy him. And um, so when David talks about the Lord being his refuge and how his times are in his hands and how the Lord is able to be trusted and such. These are uh, particularly poignant when you're facing your literal demise. And so, you know, it just reminds me as I think on that, that the Lord is to be trusted implicitly uh, at all times, under every circumstance, without exception. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the times in which we live are, are, are on the one hand, as we mentioned last time, uh, rather unsettling in some ways, they also provide a tremendous opportunity to lean on the Lord and to watch Him work and to see Him come through in ways that we might not typically see or that we might not typically think to, to ask Him to come through in. Um, I couldn't help uh, being sickened, honestly, by some of the riots that I saw happening uh, after the rally in D.C. yesterday when people were walking to their cars or just walking through the streets and just being harassed, physically assaulted, and all these kinds of things, and 
you know, on, there's a lot of levels at which we could speak about uh, that in. But, but it struck me that, you know, in the midst of those circumstances, the Lord is with us. And even though we might face difficulties, and David faced difficulties, even in trusting the Lord, it didn't mean that he was free from adversity, whether it came about on, because of his own sin and the case of Absalom's rebellion against him, or whether it was just simply because he was waiting on God to fulfill his promise like he was when he was anointed king and, and uh, Saul sought to kill him. God is there in all of these things in very much the same way that David had learned to trust him when he was taking on Goliath or when he, whether he was even just a shepherd boy, you know, and protecting the sheep against the wild animals that sought to devour them. God is not theoretically able to be trusted. He's not someone who is uh, just, you know, in a churchy sort of sense, the one that we just out of a sense of, you know, kind of it's what Christians do. We cry out to God and we just, you know, but we don't really necessarily expect him to come through in a circumstance that is seemingly hopeless or seemingly immediately dangerous in that. But God has demonstrated himself not only capable but willing and has demonstrated his strength and power and his ability to come through and to save those who are in distress, to deliver those who are uh, in harm's way. Sometimes God allows these things into our lives and allows them to follow their way all the way through, even in the death of his saints, because it ultimately accomplishes his purposes in an ultimate sense. And precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, the scriptures tell us. And so it's not that he's forgotten, but rather our lives become useful to him, which is something that we sometimes struggle with, but would do well to embrace. But that said, that doesn't mean that we don't cry out to God with desperation. You know, desperate hearts pray desperate prayers. And God hears prayers like that. He hears all prayers. But oftentimes he brings us to a place where we have nothing left to look, uh, to, to rest our hope in but him. And in those moments, he oftentimes delivers us to show himself strong, to demonstrate his love, his mercy, his compassion, his uh, mighty right arm to deliver at the end of the day, whether he chooses to deliver or whether he chooses to use those circumstances to bring him glory through some other way. You know, I was bought at a price and therefore I'll glorify God with my body, Paul would say. Sometimes he'll choose to, to bring us all the way to the end uh, in order to be glorified in some way. But whatever he chooses to do, he's our refuge. He's the place that we learn to run to for safety. Another example comes to mind, Asaph. You know, when he considered in uh, Psalm 73 um, why it is that the wicked seem to prosper and why they always seem to do well, but those who are your children suffer and, and go through such hard times. And, and he speaks about how this would have un, you know, overwhelmed him to the point of just undoing him until he went into the house of the Lord. Again, that place of refuge, that place of running into the very place where God is that he could inquire of the Lord. And then he began to understand these things better as he saw the end of those uh, who prosper, though wicked in this day. This is the best it'll ever get for them because ultimately justice will come. And so going into the house of the Lord brought him a sense of understanding. It was a place of refuge, a place where he could go to flee from the, the fears and concerns and to go find a place of rest in, in the person of Christ, in the person of God, not in the Old Testament, of course, uh, he would go and find rest in God in the temple, in the sanctuary. But that's what we do. That's what believers are privy to. That's what we as Christians have the opportunity to 
to do, to run into the house of the Lord, to run into the arms of the one with whom we have to do, to sit at the feet and listen, as it were, to come uh, and obtain mercy boldly and obtain mercy in our uh, time of need uh, before the throne of grace. And these are all precious promises that, again, are not intended to be just simply theoretical theology. These are things that we experience, we know because we do. And we come to know him as a father, as a loving father, a, a strong and mighty God who comes to our aid and who stands with us in the midst of all the things that we face and never leaves us nor forsakes us. As a matter of fact, it's the very incarnation itself is a great testimony to God's desire for us to know him. As a matter of fact, in the passage today, um, uh, you know, Jesus will say, this is eternal life, that they know you, speaking to the Father, and spe then speaking of himself in knowing Christ. Knowing, not knowing uh, some thing or some plan or some, uh, some simple idea that is just theoretical, but rather knowing them personally. He is our refuge. He is the place that we can run into. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. You know, that name so intimately associated with him personally. And so in the times in which we live, times in which honestly are just more and more demonstrating the fact that the only hope for the world is Christ himself. But in these days that we're called to live in, times of great uncertainty, difficulty, adversity, trials, tribulations, persecutions, um, growing more and more extreme and mindlessly so every day, the encouragement is for us to run into the Lord, to run into his arms, to know that he's truly, really, tangibly there. You know, Jesus would say things like, you know, if you being evil know how to do good things for your children, how much more so your Father in heaven? Well, that's an experiential thing, right? That's not something we just sort of know in our heads and never find practical experience in, but that's something that Jesus invites us to come to know about the Father. And when it comes to knowing the Father, it's all about knowing Him personally and deeply. So, without rambling on too much further, I just wanted to just share some thoughts that I found myself thinking about today. It all started by looking at Jesus' prayer and this idea of knowing the Father, knowing the Son. Um, this was a prayer that Jesus prayed, having just imparted for uh, a whole long stretch in that upper room discourse. And now as He was preparing to leave and go meet the Father, He was praying for them within their earshot that they might ultimately learn from this prayer, but they also might recognize the intimacy that the Father enjoys with the, the Son enjoys with the Father, and that they too, in learning to pray and learning to walk with Him, uh, could also experience. And that, of course, in that prayer, He prays for Himself, He prays for His disciples, and lastly, He also prays for those who would believe later, you and I. And so there's a lot there for us to glean from, and a lot for us to experience in our relationship with God, mostly in this morning, just as I was thinking, that knowledge that we can run to him as a real, living, and true God who loves his children and invites us to come and know him well. Let that be something that we do, especially in the times here uh, that are so troublesome to our hearts. Let our hearts not be troubled. We believe in God, believe also in Christ, and let us know him well. Father, we thank you for your invitation to know you. We thank you that we can boldly come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy in our time of need. We thank you that our relationship with you is not one that is simply wrote, something that we read about and theorize about, but never actually know personally. We thank you that you've invited us to know you personally and to walk with you intimately, to know you 
uh, and to learn to trust you in ways that when the hardest and most difficult of circumstances come, we know we have a refuge in you. We know that you're a strong tower to stand uh, before us and for us to run into, to protect us in the hardest times. And we even understand that when you allow those times to ultimately reach their climax, even ending potentially in our own demise, we know that that's not a wasted thing, it's not an accident, but rather you're using that for your glory and that can bring us great joy as well. So, Father, give us hearts like David to love you, to run uh, into your refuge, to trust our times to your hands. Father, even as Paul would say, you know, I know him in whom I have believed and I, uh, I know that I'm able to entrust to him that, uh, that which I have, that which has been entrusted to me. I can put it in your hands and know that it's safe. So thank you, Father. We love you, we praise you, and bless you for these things. And we pray that you bless our times and our fellowships today with our brothers and sisters. Help us to encourage one another uh, as we seek to be a people ready to see you uh, one day. So thank you, Father. And we ask this in Jesus' name.